Thanks for listening to a little more conversation. On this Friday night, what must it be like to watch one of your musical heroes win a Grammy for a song you wrote and then get a big thank you from her on stage? That is exactly what happened to Winnipeg's Brothers Landreth when their made-up mind earned Bonnie Raitt the nod for Best Americana Performance at the Grammys. Dave Landreth joins us to tell us all about it. But first, a political bombshell in Toronto for a Friday night as longtime mayor John Tory resigned suddenly after revelations that he'd had an affair with a staff member half his age. It marked the sudden end to a very long political career, and it comes just months after he won re-election easily. What further fallout will there be? Who will be the next mayor? And what questions about the circumstances remain unanswered? with a political bombshell. These aren't often things that come down late on a Friday night, but this one did. Toronto's mayor, John Tory, has resigned. He's been mayor since 2014. He just won re-election a little over three months ago. He resigned tonight, not long after revelations uh, were first reported in the Toronto Star that the 68-year-old had had an affair with a staffer. Again, he'd been mayor since 2014. He made the announcement in a quickly, suddenly held press conference late today in Toronto. I recognize that permitting this relationship to develop was a serious error in judgment on my part. It came at a time when Barb, my wife of 40 plus years, and I were enduring many lengthy periods apart while I carried out my responsibilities during the pandemic. As a result, I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes and to do the work of rebuilding the trust of my family. He said the relationship ended by mutual consent. Multiple sources identified the former employee to the Toronto Star as a 31-year-old woman who was an advisor in Tory's office. He did say that being mayor had been the job of a lifetime, but now he's focusing on repairing relationships that were impacted by that relationship. I'll be working with the city manager, city clerk, and the deputy mayor, Jennifer McKelvey, to ensure an orderly transition in the coming days. While I deeply regret having to step away from a job that I love in a city that I love even more, I believe in my heart it is best to fully commit myself to the work that is required to repair these most important relationships. Now, keep in mind, he just won re-election a little more than three months ago, so he would have known that this had happened when he was running again. So one wonders if this had never come out, what would have happened? Um, Again, uh, he's been married for nearly 45 years, as he mentioned. Uh, He has four growing children. Uh, and six grandkids at this point. Here's more from John Tory. I apologize to my wife, Barb, and to my family, who I've let down more than anyone else. I hope the privacy of all of those impacted by my actions can be respected, and that includes me. So he made the decision, of course, tonight that he could no longer continue. Jason Chapman is executive producer with uh, News Radio 640 in Toronto. Jason, what a Friday night. Ben, it, it is stunning. I won't be without speech, but I am without speech. Um, John Tory is such a public figure in the city. He's known across the country. This is a man who was the uh, chair of Rogers for many years and uh, was commissioner of the CFL as well, yeah. uh, going back a number of years then. And I mean, I worked side by side, John, at another radio station in the city for a number of years. Um, I am most shocked about two things, Ben. Number one, that he sought re-election. In his statement tonight, this relationship ended, quote, earlier this year. Uh, It's February 10th. 
So, yes, during the election campaign, I believe this relationship was still going on. And number two, you played the clip of John Tory referencing his mayor. The cadence doesn't match the words, Ben. I, it doesn't. I'm really no. struggling. To, to uh, Like, if I had an affair, I've been married to my wife for 10 years. I don't think I could say her name without cracking. Yeah. It was so matter of fact, Ben. I, 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 I don't know what's going on here. That's what struck me. I mean, maybe that apology has already been delivered, but the the tone with which he delivered that, I mean, he could have been announcing, you know, new bus routes. Uh, I was surprised. I mean, yeah. I mean, take us through the timeline a little bit, because this happened very quickly in the last several hours. Oh, it 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 was. Wow. So right now in Toronto, it is 10 o'clock in the evening. The Toronto Star moved the story at 7.30 p.m. Either a minute before that or a minute after that, the mayor's office issued a statement saying John Tory, the mayor of Toronto, will make a statement at 8.30 p.m. our time. I We had to mobilize. Um, I mean, this. I've talked to a number of councillors. Um, some knew there were maybe rumblings of this, but nothing concrete. Um this comes as a complete shock to most. Um, and so, uh, I mean, like you said, Ben, I mean, we went through an election in this city three months ago, and it was the most mundane, boring election campaign ever. Everybody knew John Tory would win. There was no serious competition. Um, and my understanding of why John, he's 68, is not old, but he's older, and he's been in public life for a long time here. I understood that he wanted to build a legacy project in the city. He wanted something that people would remember him by. But I still can't wrap my head around how he thought it was wise to run for a third term when he knew this was still going on. I I think he wanted that legacy project so bad it clouded his mind because this was happening during this mundane election. I'm so shocked. The timing of this, too, I mean, the fact has to be, and I don't think he would disagree with this, if this had never come up, he would never have left. He would have walked, you know, seen his days out till 2026 when he announced he wasn't going to run again. This was going to be his last term. But one assumes that with the speed with it, with this that happened tonight, that he wasn't going to resign unless this became public, right? Uh, quite clearly, it, it, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, quite clearly, he worked with the Toronto Star, the Toronto Star reporters there were three on the byline one of them ben spur will join maggie john at 6 40 tomorrow morning at nine o'clock and walk us through how he developed the story clearly though those reporters said to him we are going to print this they said that we're printing it now and he issued that release his staff knew that they had to respond and respond quickly and then i'll be honest the staffer that um, this affair happened with 31 years old uh in 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 John Tory's statement, he says it was a consensual relationship. It wasn't. You can't be in a consensual relationship with your boss, especially not one who's the mayor of the biggest city of the country, um, who's more than double your age. Uh, This could be debated, but factually, I I believe under the law that John Tory will be found to have been in an illegal marriage, and there was an abuse of power. In this office, I, I believe that yeah. then, and I, I, I know lawyers are just 
spinning their wheels right now thinking the same thing. We're going to talk to one right after, right in the next half hour, actually, about this. I was reading, though, in the Toronto Star article, and I'm looking forward to clearing this up uh, in the next half hour, but that there are no rules against this officially in Ontario. There are no rules saying that this was against the rules, so to speak. I mean, there are some vague generalities about, you know, the the office and the appearance of the of, of, of the office and so forth, but nothing that says you cannot do this. If that's the rules in Ontario, I'm flabbergasted because we have watched other situations in this province where the power dynamic has been an unequal power dynamic. But then I'm fascinated to hear that conversation. Uh, And I I would be curious to see the interpretation of the laws. But, you know, I mean, bottom line, I suppose, is the, the, the court of public opinion will, I think, fall squarely against John Tory. This was inappropriate, whether you say it's consensual or not. Um, you were in the middle of a pandemic where you told everybody to stay away from each other. Uh, I mean, you know, this is, we've seen play out with Boris Johnson, the former Indeed. prime minister of England. Yeah. My goodness, Ben, like it's rules for thee and, uh, rules for thee and not me. I, right now, though, in the city of Toronto, we are in a massive budget crunch. We're facing a billion and a half dollar budget deficit. Uh, The mayor of Toronto had a budget plan that was supposed to be voted on next week. Uh, I spoke to one city councillor said we have to put that process off. I mean, it's just all in flux, but it's a horrendous time for the man who was leaving that process to step aside. Yeah, I mean, you know him. I just can't get over the lack of judgment here. I mean, this, he's hardly the first politician to find himself in this situation. We know it happens. But for someone who seems to have always had pretty sound, I mean, he's had a long career in a lot of high-profile places, right back to running Kim Campbell's campaign in 1993. Uh, yep. You know, he's had a lot, he's worked in this a long time. As you mentioned, he worked at Rogers. He was the CEO. He was the commissioner of the CFL. He was then the progressive conservative leader in Ontario. Then he became mayor in 2014. He knew better than to do this he knew better way better oh, and the idea that yeah no there's no doubt about it i'm sorry to interrupt that i you, but you're right like i i interrupt because yes it's a duh uh, i uh, and the, 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 he knew he should have known better to run again he made the mistake but then he ran again and that's just the the, the i mean the egregious there's so many egregious parts but then i don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this um yeah but my thought around lockdowns was always it was always going to drive people batty. I never understood. In Ontario, we locked down much harder than the rest of the country for much longer. And this doesn't excuse the mayor's actions, but I think it provides some explanation. His wife, He's, Barb, of 45 years, spent most of the time in Florida. Um, I mean, he mentioned John it. He brought, he brought it up, right? I mean, he mentioned it overtly yes. that he had, they had been apart during COVID. I mean, he brought you right. He brought it up. Of time, right? And then his wife, Barb, isn't at, it's, it all makes sense now, on re-election night in Toronto, his wife wasn't by his side, which is really odd. And I mean, we made weird company. It was like, okay, it's the third term. It was a shoe-in. Um, she's not interested in getting, but I mean, clearly, clearly, and I, I'm willing to, uh, this was no one um, in the family at that point. It was a conscious decision not to be there. Um, and I just think, Ben, the amount of time that we locked down in this province, uh, it was it drove people batting, not excusing the mayor, trying to provide somewhat of an explanation and, and what the policy did here to, to many people. Um, 
a poor yeah. excuse, I suppose. Jason, what what really surprised? First of all, the fact that he came in in 2014, he was meant to be, you know, the voice of stability after the Rob Ford years, right? He was meant to bring, you know, peace, calm, good good, good government to to Toronto, and now this will be his legacy. This will be the end, right? This, this, ben, uh, this is yes. This is how everyone will remember John Tory, the man who had an affair with a 31-year-old office staffer. And I, you nailed, you've hit the nail on the head. Rob Ford was mayor of this town from 2010 to 2014 in the most tumultuous four years this city has ever seen. And he was, John Tory was supposed to be the most vanilla, plain, boring mayor that the city needed. And he was until this point. I mean, biggest criticism of John Tory is he never wants to offend anybody. He always wants to keep everybody happy. And that's hindered his ability, I think, to make big decisions from time to time. That's the criticism about him. But, I mean, we were talking to Adrian Batra, who worked in Rob Ford's office for a number of years um, earlier tonight on 640 Toronto. And you're right, Ben. I mean, Rob Ford was this man who, bless his soul, who has passed now seven, eight years ago. It was such a disaster. And all John Tory had to do was keep his nose clean. <laughs> He's basically the white knight that Toronto needed. And I, yeah. this, this, Here is, we are. this is sullied. This is sullied every part of this man's reputation. I, I, I don't think yeah. anybody remembers them for anything but this now, Ben. The, the issue, too, is that you're going to have to have another election now, right? And, and you just That's had correct. one. So, so not only is it, about, is it about him, it's also about the taxpayers of Toronto, right? I mean, you're going to have to do this again, and that didn't have to happen. No, it didn't. And I mean, like you said, three months ago we went through this, uh, and we were another four years away from another, another municipal election. Uh, a very green city councillor, her name is Jennifer McKelvey, we'll take over as head of council, John hasn't, the John Tory hasn't formally res- resigned yet. So that process is going to have to happen. They'll have to formally resign. Jennifer McKelvey will be named the head of council. And yes, in, I, I would imagine short order, we're going to have to go through a by-election here. And in Ontario, way to bore the rest of Canada now, Jay, uh, we just went through a process in Ontario where the premier of this province handed out strong mayor powers to the mayors of Ottawa and Toronto. What does that mean? Well, all it basically means is the mayor in this town can do a lot with about 30% of the vote of council. So all the mayor of this town needs to move through many key agenda items is support of eight or nine city councillors. There are 25 in total on council here. And so um, this was a widely criticized move um, because John Tory petitioned to basically have this during during the election without telling anybody. Um, he had grand plans to raise some new taxes in Toronto with this with new strong mayor powers. Um, but man, Ben, I, it is going to be a cat fight during this by-election. I imagine yeah. there's going to be 50 people who step up and put their name forward. Um, and I, I have to throw this out here. Doug Ford, Rob Ford's brother, is Premier of Ontario. It's no secret he still wants to be really? mayor of Toronto. Doug really? Ford... Would wow. love to be mayor of this town. 
Well, yeah, I, you, you know, the, the possibilities, I mean, now the intrigue begins, right? There are a lot of liberal cabinet ministers in Ottawa who may be looking at this job. But I guess, I mean, we, we've run out of time, unfortunately, Jason. But oh, I know you're going to have lots of coverage. You're going to have lots of coverage. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we can. We'll call you back. We have lots of coverage okay. of this coming up, obviously, on 640 uh, in the coming hours and days and so on. Have a great show, Ben. Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> I recognize that permitting this relationship to develop was a serious error in judgment on my part. It came at a time when Barb, my wife of 40-plus years, and I were enduring many lengthy periods apart while I carried out my responsibilities during the pandemic. As a result, I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes and to do the work of rebuilding the trust of my family. The longest-serving or the long-serving mayor of uh, Canada's biggest city, John Tory, uh, mayor in Toronto since 2014, cruised to re-election just a little over three months ago. Tonight, resigned suddenly, not long after a Toronto Star report appeared uh, with allegations that he'd had an affair with a staffer in his office, a much younger staffer in his office, uh, and he quickly called a press conference. And you heard just a little bit of it there. Uh, as he announced that he was going to step down. That is now in the works. Again, uh, the 68-year-old has been mayor since 2014. He was meant to bring stability after the Rob Ford years, uh, and he had for many years, but this certainly um, will be what he is no doubt remembered by, how it all ended. Jillian Natchu is uh, with Jillian Natchu and company advocates in Toronto. She's a litigator. She recently served as the lawyer for Nova Scotia's Mass Casualty Commission as well. Uh, Jillian, thank you so much for jumping on on this Friday night. What a night. What a night indeed. So he talked about a lack of judgment. Um, is that is that enough in your eyes? I think it's a bit simplistic uh, to say that it's a lack of judgment. I think it's a uh, also a sort of lack of accountability and control, I would say. Um, but uh, it's early days, and I expect that the story is going to continue to develop over uh, the days and weeks that follow. Given the amount I mean, of work you is, do in the... Yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that this is this is not your typical workplace um, or your, your typical workplace relationship. Uh, he's not your typical boss. And so when we look at romantic or intimate relationships between coworkers, um, you know, it, it's really the power as between them that, that sort of um, informs whether or not it can be truly consensual, sort of informs the ethics of the situation. And um, it, it's hard to imagine... Uh, other than sort of a premier or prime minister, somebody with more power and control over the workplace than than the mayor of a large city like Toronto. What are the rules? Because there was some mention of the rules in the Star article tonight, but what are the rules around these kinds of relationships in those environments? So there are no uh, black and white rules. Um, It's not um, illegal under any statute uh, in Canada. Uh, intimate or uh, romantic relationships between, as I say, co-workers or even in some situations uh, a boss and an employee, although uh, I would say that those situations where it can be, you know, truly consensual, consent can be truly freely given are um, uh, in the minority in those situations. Um, You know, the law, there are laws about sexual harassment, uh, certainly in the workplace. 
Um, there are laws about coercion and, um, you know, boundaries in the workplace and things like that. So there's a lot of gray areas and um, every case turns on its own facts. Um, but uh, a situation like this, where, as I say, you've got uh, the mayor, the most powerful person in the workplace, uh, to say nothing of sort of John Tory's um, power and stature, uh in society generally, the age difference, uh, the you know financial difference, um, the fact that he would have had some control over her employment, her continued employment opportunities for advancement, things like that, all of that's really highly problematic in the world. Yeah, yeah, I understand that even from the stars reporting that she'd been away with him as well at points uh, on uh, trade missions to L.A., Ottawa, Austin, New York, and so on. Uh, between 2018 mm-hmm. and 2021, I mean that. I guess it all get in this. It all gets complicated the moment that happens, right? I think it's just a further complication. You know, my understanding is that it was a part of her job to travel with him, right. um, which which sort of just gave him more access and and arguably control over her life, which would have made uh, things like determining that her consent was freely given even more complicated. Jillian, one of the things that struck me, too, is how should we, you know, there's going to be the usual frenzy to find out more about her. And it feels like maybe this is a time where we could learn from past mistakes and try and figure Mm -hmm. out this time how to do it right. Yeah, I don't think that there's any uh, reason to need to know more about her. Um, I think what we know so far is that she was a young person. Um, I certainly I would assume in the first decade of her professional life. Um, there could be no question that the power imbalance tipped against her and that she's no longer there. So I don't think that this is uh, that there's any reason to sort of uh, dig up the dirt on her or um, make this the first thing that pops up on, on Google for the rest of her life. Um, you know, if, if there is blame to be laid here, then I, I certainly am comfortable uh, putting that blame on him. He resigned uh, quickly once yep. this was uh, found out. He certainly didn't not run again, and he certainly didn't resign voluntarily when the when the relationship ended or when at any point at that time. Um, yep. Do you think there is any any legal case here going forward? Is there any legal danger for John Tory here? Frankly, um, possibly. Uh, I I would simply be speculating at this point in time. I mean, I think. I think we're all speculating and scratching our heads about what it is that has prompted him to, um, you know, acknowledge this uh, relationship now, step down now. Um, Clearly the star ran with a story. Maybe that was it. Maybe there is more happening behind the scenes. Um, I don't know who this woman is. I don't know what her story is. I don't know how she feels about what happened between herself and the mayor. Um, But certainly in my experience, it wouldn't be... um, it wouldn't be impossible that there's some sort of um, legal claim or some other proceeding in the works. But I, I want to be very clear that I don't know that to be the case here. Right. I mean, you know this yeah. this area so well. Um, does this surprise you? I mean, I think we're all surprised, but given your knowledge of what happens, is this should we be shocked? <laughs> No, I mean, I, I actually, I sort of knew you were going to ask me that. And yeah, I was surprised, but then I was just kind of fatigued. It's, you know, it's such a cliche. And um, 
so no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I was surprised. You know, it, it's a tale as old as time, sadly. And um, yeah, I don't know what more to say about that. I, as you say, I do know these cases well. Um, I, sometimes I say nothing surprises me anymore. Um, but you know, everyone is a little bit different. The facts are always a little bit different. The circumstances are different. The dynamics. Uh, the power dynamics, uh, the personalities, uh, all of that uh, writes a different story every time. Yeah, I guess his reputation mm-hmm. is such that, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, he has had a long-standing, uh, very, I could use the word clean, I suppose would be the right way of describing it, a very vanilla yeah. uh, uh, reputation, as <laughs> yeah. our previous guest said, you know, I mean, this was kind of, um, I mean, you're you're a resident of Toronto, right? What as as yeah. as, a, as a citizen of Toronto, what are you thinking? You're gonna have to have another election now. I mean, I, as a citizen of Toronto, I'm annoyed by the fact that we have to pay for another election so quickly. Um, I, yeah, you know, I scratch my head a little bit about uh, the decision to run for a third term in these circumstances. Um, not not to say that anyway that would have somehow uh made the relationship okay if he'd um stepped down after a second term but knowing that this was sort of out there um yeah it was kind of baldy to to run for a third term and now we're three months in he's stepping down city hall's in chaos and we're having another election yep yeah he was he he was meant to be the calm (laughs) calm after the ford storm too (laughs) And he was, you know, for for two terms. Uh, lots of people would have more to say about his his record and his legacy than than I do. But um, yeah, this is certainly a memorable exit on his part, and I think uh, I think he'll probably feel that quite personally um, for for a long time, probably forever. Um, given what I know about John Tory. Um, this is this is a man who likes to be liked and uh i can't imagine that uh, this is something he wears very easily or comfortably unlike uh, a lot of other politicians that we've come to know in recent years and decades um it's almost a surprise that i mean you asked earlier what was surprising about it i guess what what really was surprising to me when i think about it is that he did step down so quickly. I mean, I think I was just saying to somebody the other day that, like, you know, shame is dead. It's it's not really possible to shame people into doing the right thing anymore or shame them out You'd of office. So. But You'd think so. Yeah. yeah. So, and here we are. I mean, here we are. Yep. Did you see his? Um, did you see his resignation speech? I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I found no. out when I got the the push notification on my phone. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd be interested yeah. to get your take on on the way, just the way he delivered it. It was very matter of fact. It was interesting. I mean, sometimes those can mm-hmm. be overwrought, but this was very much the opposite. He was sort of. I wonder if you just couldn't wait to get out of there. But um, Jillian Etchu, thank you so much for your insight on this. I really appreciate it. and taking some time on a Friday night on a bombshell Friday night. Yeah, it was nice to chat. Um, thanks for the conversation. I apologize to my wife, Barb, and to my family, who I've let down more than anyone else. I hope the privacy of all of those impacted by my actions can be respected, and that includes me. 
That is Toronto's Mayor John Tory resigning tonight quite suddenly after a story appeared in the Toronto Star uh, involving allegations of an affair that he would have had with a much younger staffer in his office, uh, a 31-year-old, according to the reports. He uh, stepped down tonight again, saying that he was very sorry uh, and wanted to rebuild relationships with his family. Um, One of the reporters who worked on this story today was Ben Spur. He is a City Hall reporter with the Toronto Star. Ben, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for having me. You know, sometimes stories, sometimes you get alerts from the Toronto Star and you're like, oh, okay, oh, okay. And this one, you're like, oh, wow, wow. Uh, The reaction must have just been instantaneous. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly of high interest to to everyone in the city of Toronto. Um, you know, it uh, was was not something I think many saw coming, especially after the mayor, you know, cruised to victory in, in the election last less than um, four months ago. So a, a pretty astonishing end to his uh, time at City Hall. Ben, I don't know how much you can talk about what what kind of work went into this, but what can you say about how the story came together? I, I can't say too, too much, but it, uh, suffice to say that this is a story that we've been investigating. Uh, my colleagues in the Bureau, David Ryder and Alicia Hashem, um, and I have been looking into for, for some time and put in a lot of work on it. Um, and, you know, today we, we got it to a place where we felt that we could report it responsibly, and, um, and we did that. Uh, the, the resignation came almost instantaneously. At least the call for the, the press conference uh, announcement came almost the moment you published. Uh, was that did that come as a surprise at all? Um, to, to, to some extent, I guess. I mean, I, everything about this is, is pretty surprising, um, you know. But I think the, the mayor said in his comments, he kind of laid out his rationale. Of course, there's still, I think, probably more reporting to, to do on on this story and, and kind of understand his thinking and his motivation here. But you know, this is a mayor who, who since he came into office, his kind of raison d'être of being at City Hall was to kind of uh, end this era of scandal at City Hall, and I think the, the prospect of city government being drawn. To, to turmoil for several years or yeah, several weeks at least um, was something that he just said he, he wasn't going to be a part of. He, he didn't want to do that. So he, he himself kind of laid out the rationale of, of why he, he stepped down so, so quickly after the story came out. Yeah, I used to cover Toronto City Hall a million years ago when David Miller was was mayor. That's how far back that goes. Uh, but, you know, it could be a pretty staid place if the person in charge runs a steady ship. And I guess that's what John Tory did for, for many years, for nearly a decade now. What else would you like to know about this story that you haven't been able to find out yet, if you can talk about well, it? Well, I think, I think uh, first and foremost, we're kind of curious what happens next. Uh, the, the city government has been reshaped recently by provincial uh, legislation that gives the mayor strong powers. Now suddenly the mayor is on his way out. We're not totally sure uh, when he will officially step down, but a lot of questions now about um, you know what what happens next, just kind of procedurally at City Hall. There's a, a budget going to council next week, a 16 billion dollar spending plan that suddenly has you know no leader to it. Um, and then uh, immediately, I think we're, we're wondering as well, you know, a lot of people didn't run for mayor this time around because they thought John Tory was going to be too hard to beat. Uh, and so we're, we're, I think, very curious to see um, who's going to step in and then in this by-election, throw their hat in the ring. Um, and there could be a lot of kind of political maneuvering. A lot of people who thought they had four years to put something together now suddenly have a matter of weeks. So, um, you know, it's going to be a very interesting time politically here for the next uh, little while. Yeah, we could see some interesting folks come out of the woodwork, I think, on this one. Some from Ottawa, no doubt. Maybe even uh, someone earlier was mentioning even Doug Ford, of, of uh, you know, although that seems unlikely, but who knows. Uh, when you looked at the fact that there was an election just three months ago, uh, 
I, that, that sort of came out in the report itself, in, in what you what you were writing, that some of the surprise here was that if he know he knew this was going on, why run again? Yeah, that was a counselor um, spoke to me and said that counselor Fletcher, um, Paula Fletcher, she said that, mm-hmm. um, you know, not only was it a lapse in judgment to, to have this relationship that the mayor is now uh, admitted to, but to, to run for re-election last year, knowing that it was, you know, potentially going to put him in political jeopardy, that, that it was out there. And, and if people found out about it, um, he might have to take a decision like this. So, yeah, I think he, it's kind of difficult to, to understand the calculus there, obviously, a, a, um, you know, um, the mayor, he said it himself, a lapse in judgment. Uh, but I think it, it's interesting to think about it from that, that standpoint as well. Like he, he must have known as he campaigned all through summer and fall of last year that this was something potentially handing over his head and decided to run anyway. Yeah. He uh, mentioned tonight, and we were trying to figure out the timeline, but he mentioned tonight that the relationship had ended earlier this year. I was trying to remember, figure out if that meant, you know, since the beginning of 2023 or not. I guess, did you have any clarity on that? I mean, that's the only way I think you can interpret that statement. Uh, it ended earlier this year, so within a matter of, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so that does, uh, we, there are, there's indication that this was going on for, for a, a good uh, number of months um, and, uh, you know, was not just a, a kind of contained to, to a couple of days or something like that. It was um, a more significant uh, relationship. You know, I, I've been a, a legislative reporter. It's pretty small quarters. How did you? How could you possibly have kept this under wraps for the time it took you to work on it? Well, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Well, uh, we, we, that's our job, I guess. <laughs> we just kind of have to uh, make sure that nothing gets out. But that's uh, it's a difficult thing to do. But I, I must say that uh, I give a lot of credit to uh, the editors and the other reporters at the Star who worked on this. Um, you know, did it very diligently and without uh, you know letting anything out until we were. 100% sure we had the story locked and ready to go. Was there a sense, any sense at Toronto City Hall that this was happening? Was this sort of something that was being whispered about behind the scenes that often hop- happens in legislatures, right? Every, everyone knows, no one says? Um, you know, I, I can't speak too much to that. I, I can say, you know, that, that we started looking into it because of information we received. Um, but, you know, to what extent other people knew, I think that that's, a, that's an interesting question as well, right? That um, if other people at City Hall did know, uh, that this was happening, uh, that does raise some questions about, you know, why perhaps no one reported it or if anyone did report it or if anyone kind of circulated the news. I mean, the, the mayor said tonight that he'd asked the uh, integrity commissioner of the city to, to look into this. Um, and so if, if anyone else did know about it and, and didn't make that same step, I think there are some questions to be raised there. That was Bonnie Raitt. You may have heard that song before. It won a Grammy for Best Americana Performance at last Sunday's Grammy Awards. But if you didn't know, that song has its roots. It's called Made Up Mind. It has its roots in Winnipeg. Uh, It was written by the Brothers Landreth. They're a a duo that have been performing since back in 2013. They wrote that song way back then. It's about 10 years old now. Um, And they have a wonderful story behind it, behind how it ended up in the hands of Bonnie Raitt, how they met uh, perhaps, I mean, really one of the most uh, popular singers of her genre, Americana, if you want to call it that, uh, Bonnie Raitt. She had a big night at the Grammys, by the way, including winning uh, Song of the Year. Uh, but she gave a shout out when she won that uh, award for Best Americana Performance for Made Up Mind. Um, she gave a shout out to the Brothers Landreth. Here it is. Thank you so much. I never expect this. And I'm just so proud 
to be representing how long I've been doing this. For all of us who have been lasting this long, thank God for the Americana format when we straddle all these genres and finally have a home. Oh, I want to thank the Brothers Landers for writing this kick-ass song. There you go. <laughs> now that's a shout out. <laughs> if you're going to get a shout out from one of the best known singers around, that's a shout out. Uh, so Joey and Dave Landreth, uh, we're, we're at home in Winnipeg when this all happened. And uh, it was, a, you know, it was not just a great surprise, but getting the shout out too was fantastic. This is not the first time that they've earned accolades. They won a Canadian Folk Music Award. They won a Juno back in 2015 for Roots and Traditional Album. They're up for another Juno this year. Their most recent release, Come Morning, is up for Contemporary Roots Album of the Year. But we wanted to talk about that Made Up Mind song and everything else. And uh, Dave Landreth said, yeah, I'll talk about that. And he joins us now from Winnipeg, one half of the brothers Landreth. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. So tell me about this week. That's, uh, you know, it must have been, I mean, I guess sometimes we're like, oh, well, the Grammys, but it's always a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge deal. It was a very good week for me. We, we're here talking about the fact that a, a song my brother Joe and I wrote 10 years ago got covered by one of our heroes, Bonnie Raitt, and it has gone on to win a Grammy uh, last Sunday. Yeah, and she and, thanked you. She got up there and gave you the shout out, and she's a very she seems very generous that way. She is. I, I, I mean, I'd love to say that I know her better than I do, uh, and at some point maybe I'll get a chance to hang out with her a little bit more. But um, we've only crossed paths the once, which was in 2014 at the Winnipeg Folk Festival, and we were playing the same stage. And at the end of the show, we got tapped on the shoulder and invited backstage to hang out with her. She wanted to chat with us. And um, we were pretty gobsmacked, but it all happened so quickly. We didn't have a chance to get nervous or anything. And we got a chance to hang out with her for a couple hours. And and that is kind of a testament to her generosity. And she had all the time in the world for us. And we were immediately put at ease and felt like we were hanging out with somebody that we'd known forever. You know, we found out that she was covering our song at the end of um, 2021, just before just before the holidays. From that point forward, any time that she had an opportunity to, she would mention us or sing our praises or introduce us on some podcast or interview. And and she knows what she's doing. She and now that now that we're a little closer to it, we've we've come to understand that this is kind of a cornerstone of how she moves through the world. Every opportunity she has to elevate the people that she works with and the the writers that she chooses to cover, like she goes really far out of her way to shine a light on these people. And, um, you know, we've been the, the benefactors of that this year. And it's been truly incredible. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was thinking reading the whole story that from the meeting at the Winnipeg Folk Fest back in 2014 to now, I mean, the song has journeyed from you to her to a Grammy, but you've journeyed too. There's a real story that's happened to you and your brother between the time that you bumped into Bonnie Raitt way back and the time that her version of your song won a Grammy. And it's been, it's kind of an interesting parallel. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, very different career path for sure. Yeah, we, we've been stroking away at it since two, we, our first record came out in 2013, 2013. Yeah, we've been working it away at touring and writing and recording records. And along the way, we've had a, a couple of really nice wins and more good fortune and success than we ever dreamed of. And we've seen a really big part of the world thanks to the songs that we write and the music that we play. But but in a lot of ways, this actually does feel kind of like the pinnacle of 
you know, success is a funny word, especially when you're talking about careers and passion and art and stuff. But this this really feels like like a, a an achievement. It's certainly one that I never, you know, neither Joy or I ever imagined that we would be in this position. It's just too surreal to even dream up, but it feels impactful. Yeah, maybe it's just one of many peaks. <laughs> Who knows, right? It's a, yeah, sure. you have a, lo- a long journey ahead, I suspect. What was it like? Tell me about the song, because the song, I mean, your version is great. Her version is great. Uh, did you know, I've never written a song, I'll confess. Do you kind of know <laughs> when, when when you write it down that you think, ah, that one's, that's that's good. That's good. You know, honestly, rarely. There's a, a proximity effect when you're writing something new that makes it really hard to be objective about it. Because you're so you're so in the weeds that you're you're thinking about you know whether it's arrangement things or lyrical choices or melodic choices or tempo and feel like you're you're so focused on the minutia of it that often when it's finished one you don't always know that it's finished and it's not until you're looking at it in hindsight that you realize it's done and it doesn't need anymore in fact it needs bits removed often it takes a bit of space for you to go back and look at it. And then there's also been songs that we've written that have, you know, we've sat on for a while, not thinking much of them. And then you revisit them later in life and go, Oh, this, this resonates with me differently now. And that song honestly was no different. Like we, and maybe that's just a a bit of, um, you know, like, like we are still young songwriters in many respects. We approach it like we've always got something to learn, but I remember walking away from that songwriting session and we finished that song in a couple hours and not thinking that it was particularly a knockout or, or memorable even. But the guy that we were writing it with, we, it was a co-write with a, a fellow named Jonathan Singleton. And I remember him cheekily saying, well, what are you guys going to do? And we said, what do you mean? What do you mean, Jonathan? He goes, well, what are you going to do with all your money? <laughs> and this was 10 years now, ago. <laughs> this was 10 years ago. So, I, you know, maybe he had an inkling of, of what we had made or, you know, had maybe he recognized right away that we were onto something, and, and you know to set the story straight, there there's no there are no trucks of money anywhere no. to be seen. But as but, as often uh, as often there isn't in the music business, no matter what people. Do. <laughs> but there is some glory every once in a while. What did you think when you heard Bonnie Raitt's version? Oh man, it was too much. It was too much. Joey and I, he got the email from Bonnie's team with an embargoed and, and heavily secured link that uh, there was a whole process to being able to access the stream to the song and you could only use it on one computer and couldn't send it, that kind of thing. You know, being very, very uh, protective of, of the release. Uh, so he got the email saying, hey, give this a listen. Congratulations, Bonnie's covered your song. It's coming out on our next record. So he called me and he and he waited to his credit. He waited for me to get over there and it took, a, <laughs> I think, the better part of a day because he just kids and life and stuff but we we walked over there and fired it up on the stereo and it was really profound to hear a song that we wrote you know coming out of the stereo with bonnie's voice singing the lyrics and her guitar playing the part and the band these, these cats that i've idolized for such a long time playing the arranger like it was it was really heavy it was a really cool moment I'm, i won't forget it you, t- you tell a funny story because of course you still play the song in concert right but you, you sort of had used about wanting to say it's a cover right wanting to say it's a bonnie Raitt cover we yeah and we cheekily have been announcing it from the stage as a bonnie Raitt cover i mean maybe not every night when we're feeling sassy and and it has been funny to hear people respond to it yeah yeah just like a little a little inside gag but but in a lot of ways the reality is is to joe and i when we hear her sing that song 
it does feel like her song. And that's part of why she's so incredible is that when she puts herself to a performance, she owns it. There is yeah. a mastery in what she does that is so profound. Uh, and there's a reason that she's at the absolute, you know, absolute pinnacle of perform. Like she, she's one of the greatest of all time. And, and yeah. yeah. I remember being surprised that I Can't Make You Love Me wasn't her song, that it was written by a guy, that she'd covered it, but she owned it too. Like some of her greatest hits, she didn't write, but she has this way of of transforming them into her own songs where you really can't imagine anyone else singing them, which could be a bit of a curse if it's your song. Yeah. Well, I mean, no. Since bon- Bonnie wants one of your songs, I don't care who you are. You're, you're falling over yourself to give her the thumbs up. Of course. And and so, so many, there's so many interesting things there like, so Bonnie wins along with our, the, you know, the award for the song that we wrote. She also won the song of the year for a song called Just Like That, which is the title track off of her mm-hmm. new record. That's a pretty profound moment because it's not that Bonnie hasn't been writing songs her whole career. It's that she is committed to finding the best possible songs for every record. And, and she has been writing songs her entire career and, mm-hmm. and they've been on the record. They just haven't received the kind of notoriety until now. And, I think that's so wonderful because to me, it's testament to the fact that she's also somebody who is at the absolute top of the game is still a student of the art form, committed to chasing that greatness and pursuing excellence and never, never relenting. You know, she's got her foot on the gas. She's writing 52 years since she put out her first record. And here she is finally at long last being acknowledged for a song that she wrote that takes the big award at the Grammys. She's in her seventies. Like, it's just such a, a remarkable and admirable career. And when I see it, it's just, it sets a path for me. Where it's like, this this is the kind of career I aspire to. One that has longevity, that is focused on making great art and never relenting. Being true to it too. I mean, there's an authenticity mm-hmm. to what to what you do as well, which is, I think, why the song works. And you've seen, you've seen the business now. You've been in Nashville. Like you started to see what this looks like. How do you? How are you finding it? I mean, this is—it's a big jump, I would imagine, from playing the Winnipeg Folk Festival and so on. And then there's been the Juno Awards, and you're up for another one. Uh, I mean, it is a real journey, but you've probably started to see that—you know—the the, you've seen the upper ranks of it now too. What's it like? Yeah, I've had a few select peaks behind the curtain, and then in addition to sort of being an artist and writing songs, recording, touring, and stuff, I also run a music company, artist management and label and publishing with with our band's manager, Stu, and Joey's also involved as well. So I, I kind of straddle that line. I've got a foot in both worlds. And so I've, I'm fortunate to have kind of a big picture view. Now, of course, not of everything. I, I don't know what it's like to be one of the, you know, most renowned artists in the world or what they're, you know, somebody like Bonnie's experience is. But I have seen a, a lot of it. And it, it is interesting. The, the cream rises, really. And the kind of careers that have longevity, like that, you know, it's often because there there is that commitment to the real core of what we do, which is to try and, you know, put a little bit of beauty into the world and, and do something with integrity. And the cats that are only in it for fame and recognition, it, it doesn't have the same sort of lifespan. It can be a very hard gig. It can be a very demanding job. And, you know, if you're in it for the wrong reasons, it's di- it's difficult to stick around. Tell me a bit about Winnipeg, because, you know, Canadians often think of Winnipeg as having churned out some of the some of the greatest in Canadian history. There's a real you're part of a real tradition there. Maybe not necessarily in I suppose I don't want to categorize. It's awful when people categorize music, right? Um, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't, but it, but it, you're part of a real great tradition there from Winnipeg. You must wear that with some pride too. 
I am, and and Joey and I really do. This is a really special town. It's a special place. It there, there's a lot of awfulness about Winnipeg, <laughs> which is is part of what makes it so great. It it is inhospitable to live here. It is like we've got one of the most extreme climates. I think next second only to Siberia, and the summers are are beautiful and sunny and hot, but they're about six weeks long and you're plagued by mosquitoes, but you know, I'm, I'm mostly kidding, but, but I think sort of the isolation not really. of when yeah. I'm not, I'm really I've been not. I, in fact, yeah. I'm, I'm downselling. <laughs> I'm downselling it. The, the reality is, is all of those factors and the fact that we're quite isolated geographically, they, they tend to help foster this really insulated community of creatives because it, it's, it's cold and it's hard to live here. And, and, but one one of the things is that it's kind of cheap to live here, and for a big chunk of the year, you're sort of stuck inside, and it, and it just encourages this collaboration. But it also comes with like a hardiness and a practical side that comes from living in a really cold, lousy place. You you just sort of prioritize comfort and and uh, practicality, and and I think that comes through in the arts. There's not a lot of pretense here, and, and there's not a lot of competition either. It tends to lend itself towards collaboration over competition and i think that's uh, and and there's really something special that the next generation of young artists coming up here um we're fortunate to work with a bunch of them at the at birthday cake the music company i was talking about but i'm also just proxy to these young artists through you know a guy in our band roman clark is one of them and, and a whole bunch of these people around us are just making this phenomenal music it's so spectacular and and they are ushering in this whole new generation of songs and sounds and so you know i think they're going to put the put winnipeg on the map in an even bigger way and you're up for a juno i mean you've got another award season about uh, about to come come morning your latest album your last album is nominated for a contemporary roots album of the year at the junos too so there could be more silverware in your near future yeah i wouldn't be mad about that yeah we're going to go in march and and uh go and hang out schmooze get dressed up and see if we bring home a little more hardware well, Dave Landreth, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, for sharing the story with me. Well, thanks for asking, Ben, and uh, have a really great day, man. <laughs>